Hello and welcome to Game Pass Forever, a standalone segment of the Outside is Overrated podcast. Each month we dive into a new game off the Xbox Game Pass lineup. This segment exists because of the generous support of our backers on Patreon. If you enjoy this content, please visit patreon.com OIO and consider pledging $2 a month to support our show. Outside is Overrated is presented by Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. I'm your host and the star of the show, Thompson Logic, and joining me today are Hobbybox, Joe Burns. hey And Dr. C, Casey Aline. Hey, what's going on, everybody? For July's Game Pass Forever game, our benevolent overlords on Patreon chose Yakuza Like a Dragon. Developed by, I should have looked up how to say this, Ryu Ga Gotuko. Go. Toku. Go, Go, Gotoku Studios, who developed all the previous Yakuza games and spin-offs and Judgment. First question, Joey, that was you that put the note into the show yes. notes when I had the yes. wrong developer. Yes. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for trying to help me not look or sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just like, yeah, Sega has published a lot of games, but yeah, these guys actually made the game. So. Yeah, I, uh, I apparently suck at research and uh, just do a terrible job of preparing for things. It's kind of how we almost had in the vote a game that wasn't on Game Pass for Game Pass Forever <laughs> for next month, too. <laughs> and I had it rigged so that I was going to win. <laughs> you did. <laughs> So it's a good thing we didn't do that. Otherwise, it would have been a it would have been a conundrum. Yeah, and I I was certain that it was on Game Pass too. Like I didn't even bother to look it up. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about Yakuza Like a Dragon right now. This game released on November tenth, two thousand twenty. It has an outstanding Metacritic of eighty nine for Xbox One. It's a touch lower on the other systems, but I was very surprised to see that this game crushed it on the Xbox One. It was one of the few actual like Xbox Series X and S like launch titles too. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was like one of like two games that were specifically launched on that, and then it was available at the same time on the on the one and the PS4, and then the PS5 became available. I think it was like four months later or something like that. Man, it's crazy. I actually played it on the Xbox One, and the load times were atrocious. I bet they're they're pretty bad on the PS4 also, which is what I was playing it on. So. Series X, not so bad. I I love the Series X. Like it is such an incredible piece of hardware. Like it is a great time to be a gamer. Yes, it yeah. is. If my other son wasn't hogging it, I would be playing all these <laughs> games on there. But you know, try to get it, his Christmas present out of his hands is not uh, not, yeah. not very <laughs> going very well. It's a little tricky. Yeah. You also made a skin and put his face on it, right? Like, I did. Yes. yes. <laughs> that also answers. Right. Quick aside: What's he playing right now? Um. What's the new stupid game that all the kids are playing? Where you're like I don't these, know. these little Peppa Pig Roblox? No, you're like these little like squishy guys and you jump around. Uh, Is that Fall Guys? Oh yeah, Fall Guys. Yes, Fall Guys. That's yeah. what he plays. Like, oh, you paid non-stop. cash money for that. That launched for free on PlayStation. I don't think he paid cash money. I think it's free to play now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. It just went free to play like a month ago or something yeah. like that. Oh, cool. I should play Fall Guys. I have a group of friends that tease me relentlessly because that is the only PlayStation Plus game that I haven't like clicked add to library for like ever. I'm like, this looks dumb. I'm gonna make a stand. I am not gonna add this to my library. Then I had a group of friends play it and I it's, couldn't take part. It's it's like an annoyingly fun game. It's it's ridiculously fun and frustrating and annoying, but fun nonetheless. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Tom avoids the most Tom game. Confirmed. Ryu Ga Gotoku Studios is known for the Yakuza games and also the spinoff Judgment series. 
Yakuza Like a Dragon is a turn-based RPG. Previous successful installments in the series were all action games. This was a radical departure for the franchise, which I think is just fascinating. Mm -hmm. The core gameplay loop and Burns, you put a lot more time into this game than Casey and I, so you feel free to update me. But yeah. from my experience, the core gameplay loop, watch very, <clears throat> very long movies. Yep. Beat up some dudes and earn some XP mm -hmm. and watch more very long movies. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the interesting thing... So, I mean, that's kind of how the framework of the Yakuza games, like the actual mainline, the original, the, the games preceding this, because this is a mainline Yakuza game as well. But all the other games are a lot like that, too. They would have a lot of cutscenes, and then they would have, like, in-engine scenes that were all, like... It, they're very high on the narrative. Like a lot of it is supposed to be about this this huge kind of you know organized crime narrative that they're trying to get to you, and then you get to do lots of other weird, wacky, and just like brutal things throughout it. Also, it's it's I don't know. It's a fascinating series to me. And Casey, I felt like this if this was a Netflix series, you would have binged it and watched like everything Yakuza ever made prior to this show. <laughs> but it's not. This is. A turn-based RPG, and you've never played a video game before. <laughs> what were your expectations for one of the most iconic, if dated, genres? I didn't really know what to expect, honestly. Uh, I know it's a running joke that I don't play video games, but when it comes to RPGs, it's honestly super true. Uh, I think at the end of last show, when we picked this game, one of you asked me, have I ever played a JRPG before? And I, we said Chrono Trigger, I think, was the last one that I played. And then I got to thinking after that, I'm like, man, what else have I played? And I honestly think the only other RPG period that I've played is Dragon Warrior on the original NES. So, yeah. like, we're talking, like, <laughs> two extremely old old games are the only experience I've ever had with, uh, with RPGs at all. So, like, do you look back at your late teens and your 20s and your early 30s and think, what a waste? No, I just... It, it, it's never grabbed me and we're going to kind of get into that and i just think this style of game is just not something that i've ever gotten into like i've watched people play it before which is i don't know why i can sit down and watch somebody play an rpg and still stay somewhat like fixated on it mm -hmm. but like me actually trying to play through it myself it's just i need more constant action or something just to like keep me going because it's i don't know like as somebody who actually like appreciates story in a game i just like there's a balance or something yeah. to me that I can't quite wrap my brain around <laughs> because especially this game, we'll get into it again, but there was, there's a lot of story in this game. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting. I know a lot of what you want to say on the show uh, because we do prepare a little bit ahead of time. And mm. it's interesting to me that you, we all loved, but you specifically love tell me why. And that is a game that is yeah. almost all narrative and very little actual like tangible gameplay, but you love that experience. But this where you can actually eventually get into action and what I think is extremely well done turn-based action. And it just didn't grab you. Yeah. I don't know. I think tell me why is like, maybe it's because you're kind of choosing your path, which well, you don't really in this, but like, it's, it's something to do with the fact that, like, in Tell Me Why, I was actually You were doing, more invested. Doing there was more Yeah, you were, you're actually, action. like, it's just the, the, the cutscenes in this, and, and not even the, well, they are cutscenes, I guess, but mm -hmm. it's just the, the dialogue, and it's it goes on for, like, 10, <laughs> sometimes 15 minutes at a time. Yeah. And then you get, you know, your one battle, and then you go back into it. Or, like, I texted you the other night, just hilarious, like, you you find a bar for the first time, which is kind of like a spot where you can 
I'm not exactly sure what you do there, Joe. You could probably explain it more, but like you go to this bar for the first time. It's it's something that's like seven hours into the game. You're done. They explain the bar in like five minutes. Afterwards, you get done, and there's one of the characters that you're playing with is sitting there. His heart's above his head. I'm like, oh, cool. Hearts are above his head. Why? Click on it. All right. You go into another 10 minutes of like his backstory to get. like bonus points for the, the team's ability and, and, and like oh my god like <laughs> it's narrative on top of narrative i'm like i've never experienced anything like this before and i i do love a good story but it's just there came a point where it's just so much that it almost it was just almost boring after a while. <laughs> it's a narrative nesting doll. Yeah, it is great way to describe it. Yeah. Bernsey, you're on the other end of the spectrum. You've played many, many, many RPGs through the last few decades. Yeah. What were your expectations going into this modern take on a very classic genre? I mean, I was really, I really had no idea how it was going to actually work. And even seeing, like, some gameplay ahead of the game launching, it still just seemed weird. And I, It is so weird to watch yeah. gameplay without, like, having that hands-on experience yeah. with it. Like, I've watched you stream a few different sessions of this game. I popped in here and there, and it is just wacky and wild. It's like, how are you controlling all this stuff? Like, what is going on once, like, you get through the first 10 hours of the game and you... <laughs> get to fight some battles. It's like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. And now when I watch your stream just the other night, I'm like, oh, cool. You turned Adachi into a wizard of some sort. Awesome. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, it, it's fascinating. And given the fact that this was actually first revealed kind of as an April Fool's joke, because, you know, all the Yakuza games, zero through six, were just these brawlers where you're doing this fast action gameplay and then you had lots of cutscenes and things like that. <laughs> But here it's it's like you know they made a they made a they made a legitimate April Fool's joke about doing an RPG Yakuza game, and then that ended up being Yakuza Seven, and it was surprising. And so, um, I know. So yeah, the it's it, I don't know. It's it, I was really intrigued by it and, and excited to see how they could do it, and I think they really did knock it out of the park. Like it was. It, it, it's got to be incredibly difficult for developers to change genres and develop something completely different. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that had to have been a huge issue for them just trying to figure out how to do it. And to add on to that point, I think it is fascinating that they were able to take the core narrative experience of the Yakuza series. I've only played Kiwami, so I don't yeah. have a broad depth of the series, but it felt very similar to me despite having an extremely different, like, combat structure. Well, and, and as much as I enjoy the series, I've still only played all of Yakuza 0 and, like, the first third of Yakuza Kiwami. But Yakuza 0 is, like, one of my favorite games of all time. And so coming into this, it's just like, okay, one of my favorite, like, games of all time, the next game I'm playing of it is, like, my favorite genre of all time. Like, how is this going to work? <laughs> Turns out pretty well. Yeah. For my part, I've always loved JRPGs, and I still enjoy turn-based combat. I was very excited to see a modern take on the genre, especially with it being a new direction for an established IP. I thought the whole premise was just fascinating. This game starts you off with a longer lore dump than the extended cut of Fellowship of the Ring. (laughs) True stat! Solid four hours of backstory in Arakawa before you really get into the meat of this game. Mm-hmm. The Lord of the Rings extended cut, I believe, was like three hours and like three and a half hours. For the fellowship, yeah. For the yeah. fellowship. <laughs> Casey, did this presentation grab you right out of the gate? 
No, not not really. Um, like I said, I, lo I love a good story, a good story, and uh, it's you know, pretty essential in most games. But this was like watching a movie, and that movie then intertwined with short bits of action. And at one point in this, I almost fell asleep. Like I had to wake my <laughs> or slap myself to, to actually stay awake during parts of it, which is something completely new for me in a, in a video game. <laughs> Bernsey, I'll turn to you here as somebody who really enjoyed Final Fantasy 15 and watched Kingsglaive oh, yeah. before it came out. Do you think that there was a different way that they could have set up the story and given us the background on Eric Howe and got all the puzzle pieces into place? Or do you think that this was a necessary evil for the story that they were trying to tell? So a quick correction. I actually didn't watch um, Kingsglaive before. I, I actually watched Kingsglaive when it got to that point in 15 and then watch that to see what happened, and then continued forward. Um, just because I felt that was going to be the best way to do it narratively. Um, but I do think it's great. I think it's better to have all of the narrative within the game. Uh, that was one of the big problems that you had with uh, 15, was you have, well, you have the, the movie, plus you had the anime to watch. Um, and I did watch that before I before I played the game. But, but yeah. It's better to have it self-contained. I guess this is what it what happens when a a, a developer that makes a series that can be long-winded at times jumps into a genre that a lot of times does have an a metric ton. I almost swore. Yeah, a metric ton catch. of exposition at the start of of the games, and so I, I think I think that's kind of maybe the negative side effect that came from this in that you have this huge story dump right away at the beginning. Um, I mean, if you look at other Sega published RPGs like Persona 5, that also has a very long-winded beginning. You maybe do have a little bit of action interspersed in there, but really the first the first like 3 hours of that game is a lot of like cutscenes and story and and things like that. I agree, and that's about what I played of Persona 5, was about the first three hours. But that game definitely uh, had a little bit more like interaction with it early on. I think that Yakuza Like a Dragon is the first time I've ever experienced this in a game. And I've played Metal Gear Solid 4, which was basically a 10-hour movie. <laughs> I still actually haven't played Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah, I it's mean, like the one of those games that I haven't played. Like I played a little bit of Phantom Pain, but then I was just like, I should probably play four before I play this. But um, it's it's weird. It, it's and I think kind of like you guys have sort of said as we've discussed things, like tutorialization in RPGs, especially JRPGs, can take a long time. It can feel like you're playing the game for a long time before you actually have like all of the systems in place. And, and I think that is maybe one of the faults of Like a Dragon also. Well, I'll say this. I got nine hours and 17 minutes in this game, and I haven't been able to change jobs yet, dude. <laughs> There's still a lot more meat on this bone for me. You changed jobs. And no, you didn't. You evolved your job. <laughs> yeah. E.T.'s job evolved. That is not the same as changing jobs. Uh, I just have this other note on the lore dump at the beginning. It was a long setup for the main antagonist. I was into it and I enjoyed it, but it would have been more fun to fight more dudes, like just to have mm -hmm. more interactive elements to it. Casey, I want to get your reaction to something that Joey and I were talking about. With Final Fantasy XV, there was a lot of lore that was outside the game. There was a movie and an anime that were released. Do you think that you would ever watch media that is like 
tangential to a game like that or does it all need to be within the game for you to process it i'll give you a second to think about it for me i never watched those things like i my time is very very limited and almost exclusively focused on what we talk about on the podcast so like i would never watch anything outside of it's only four hours of extra content tom you have plenty of time to watch four hours of extra things what two hours of which are going to be dubbed uh are, are going to be are subbed in in english and just normal language in japanese so you have plenty of time for that yeah, I I watch a lot of TV and I watch a lot of movies. Um, I probably would not go out of my way to watch this genre specifically. It's not something that really interests me in general. Um, so not but, only but, do you not play video games, but you hate them with a burning fiery passion. <laughs> no, but like if it, if it was something like the Castlevania series too, though, like I. Like I love that, and thankfully you forced me to watch that for the show, and like it ended up being one of my favorite things. So it was possible, possible like that I would love that too. And I think if it was a show that like was hyped and people were talking about and things like that, um, then I would probably end up watching it. Um, it's just not something like I said that I'm gonna like. Oh, hey, there's a Yakuza series on Netflix. I'm not gonna watch it simply because it's Yakuza. You know, like it's it's just not something that like has ever really been like anything that's grabbed me in, in the past. On, I'd watch a Yakuza series Dude, on Netflix. you should watch Dragon's Dogma. It's like the greatest anime I've ever seen. <laughs> I did. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> that is one of the worst pieces of media that I've consumed for this show. Yeah, I wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, Casey, you played through Castlevania too. That was uh, quite a feat. Someone yeah. called you out on that for Discord too. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was <laughs> nice good. Nice work, Jim. <laughs> In Yakuza Like a Dragon, you play as Ichiban Kasuga, a dumb young Yakuza grunt. He confesses to a murder he didn't commit to save a member of his clan, and he goes to prison for 18 years. When he gets out, his former boss, who Ichiban just adores, his former boss shoots Ichi, and then he gets dumped in a homeless camp with a counterfeit bill in his pocket. Go nuts. There's your sword. Go find the princess. (laughs) Burns, you tend to like a straight man hero. Ichiban is not that. No. Did you enjoy your time with Ichiban? Oh, yeah, thousand percent. I, I think he is probably one of the best RPG protagonists that I've ever experienced in a game. Uh, he's so earnest and eager and genuine. And um, if you look at a lot of other games, so you have like their silent protagonist where it's like, you just get what that character's personality is based off of the selections you choose and then how people interact back to you. And this is like a, a complete 180. Like he is just he is just beaming all the time. It, it, his whole like demeanor is what drives the game and what makes the game what it is. Um, you know, and and really, if you look at it, who Ichiban Kasuga is is what made this game change genres. So if you if you think of the other Yakuza games, uh, Kazuma Kiryu, or not not Kazuma Kiryu, I can't remember what his other what his first name is. But the Dragon of Dojima. The Dragon of Dojima. Like all he really knew was beating baddies with his fists or whatever he could grab. Yeah, like, like a bicycle. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean he was like, <laughs> I mean he's he's a lovable guy, but he is he's just that's what he is. He's a fighter. That's what he does. And so those games are brawlers. Like that's what you're doing throughout the majority of the experience of each one of the previous Yakuza games. In this game, 
Ichiban is a diehard Dragon Quest fan. So, hey, you actually did prep for this way back when, when you played Dragon Warrior. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, because he's a diehard Dragon Quest fan, so the gameplay that is represented in that in being a turn-based RPG, which I think is, is, is phenomenal. But as the game goes on, and as Ichiban continues to interact with more and more characters and, and just do different things, like, he is just... It's it's impossible not to love him as a character because it's just like the way he reacts in situations and like how he like kind of gloms onto people as his friend and then like no matter what happens has their back or or is going to do what he can to support them is just awesome. It, it's like it's supremely awesome. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think that's like a very positive side effect of all the backstory and narrative is that you get completely invested in that character and mm -hmm. you can like really feel <laughs> bad for him when all this stuff is happening to him. Um, I just, yeah, he's a fantastic protagonist. And now that we've talked a little bit about the narrative, I think it would, it would not from seeing like what I've seen about the game so far and where things are at as far as I'm at in it, you have to have like the massive like depth of his background as well as Arakawa's background because if you don't have all of this information about this, like it is integral to every single main plot point. Like even though it seems like you're doing something completely different, it all comes back to Arakawa and Ichiban's relationship with him and like like why did he end up here? Like, I'm 30-ish hours in and still don't really know the answer to that question. I think that's what the whole narrative of this entire game is, is, like, why did Ichiban end up in this situation? But all of that stuff that you find out early on, like, continues to be pointed back to and referenced and brought back up from a different light as you go through the game. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to do with the narrative. Maybe they shouldn't have been as long-winded at the beginning or found a little bit more efficient way to do that or something that, like, maintains the attention of the players but i think it was a thousand percent necessary to be there for how they continue to um get back to that as the game moves forward a funny thing about the start of this game i'd watch you stream it a little bit and like i'd seen the box cover so like i knew what ichiban looked like i knew yeah. what the main protagonist looked like the suit is very distinct yeah and I'm like why am i following this other dude around like what who is this freaking kid <laughs> and like oh it's like oh after four hours i finally get to be ichi cool <laughs> well hey you know what what he experienced was 18 years so really we we compacted 18 years of his life into three hours like that's you know that's reasonable isn't it yeah not bad i didn't have to watch him take a dump so that was great <laughs> i mean <laughs> not yet maybe I don't not know. yet yeah <laughs> well don't spoil anything for me friends <laughs> Uh, I loved Ichiban. I thought he had very noble intentions. I thought sometimes his focus was a little misguided. He almost seemed to have like a teenager's focus where everything was right at the end of his nose. And like, he definitely didn't see the big picture. And I think, yeah. I think I have an idea about how the big picture is going to work with him and Arakawa and how that's all going to come together. But uh, I would just desperately love to play 40 consecutive hours of this game to find out. What? Uh, <laughs> so I just want, I'm not going to say anything. W what are your thoughts? Where do you think things are going? Okay, so you get a lot of background on Arakawa, and yeah. you learn that Ichi just adores him, and that they have a complicated history, and that he's almost become like a second son to mm -hmm. Arakawa. Well, eventually, Arakawa just 
shoots Ichi in the chest and mm-hmm. he ends up dumped in this uh, homeless town with a counterfeit bill in his pocket. And I, you find out that in this town in Yokohama, yep, uh, there are three rival gangs that all have like a terse like Mexican standoff, basically. So I think that Arakawa is just moving Ichi as a pawn into there to somehow cause a civil war between or a war between those three gangs, so that the Omi Alliance can come in and take over there as well. Huh. It's very astute and intuitive. I would have never got all that together, but yeah, good well, job, you, Tom. You know, I'm not all Wang jokes over here. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I can be a critical a thinker. It, but... Yeah, I mean, it's like 80-20. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it was interesting. Like, I happened to watch you stream the other night, and you're 30-some hours in, which is a solid 20-plus hours further than I am. And I'm like, oh, that counterfeit bill just came back up. Yeah. And I just met the chairman of my last session after watching you talk to him. I'm like, oh, that guy seems pretty important, watching you stream. And then I saw the counterfeit bill. I'm like, oh, well, plug my ears. And so, uh, to be honest, though, you maybe meet with him one other time in between when you did and when I did. Oh, interesting. There's a lot happens. Like legitimately there is a lot going on and a lot that happens. Um, there's still a lot of lore that gets dumped. I mean, there is you're it happens in a lot of other RPGs too. You're kind of watching a lot of things, maybe sometimes more than you're playing them. Um, but I think it's all trying to sort of formulate this narrative. Um, and so I don't know. I, so far I think it's great. I'm probably about two thirds of the way through the game. And I'm really interested to see how it all wraps up. Well, let's get into the actual fighting mechanics. When you do finally get to crack some skulls, you get into the turn-based goodness. Characters earn XP and level up, raising their stats and learning new abilities. There are multiple jobs to unlock. Casey, you haven't played any games like this. Did you stick with it long enough to enjoy the combat system? <laughs> and that's not a joke. That was that, Yeah, legit, legitimately <laughs> have not played many games like this. You are right. Uh, yeah, I definitely uh, enjoyed the combat system. I stuck with it for almost nine hours. Um I'd say the training wheels came off somewhere around the end of Chapter 2. It's really um, Chapter 3, because the end of Chapter 2 is when Ichi gets shot. Like You have a little bit at the end of Chapter 2 when you're making your way to Arakawa where they come that, off a little bit, but you really get some freedom. Yeah, that's when it, at the end of Chapter 2 is the first time you get to team up, and then you're going through the underground sewer, and then you go up through the thing, and then up through the uh, hidden entrance or whatever, and then you get shot. So that's I felt, was the first time for me. I'm like, oh, this is enjoyable, because it was fight after fight after fight after fight. Like You're actually going through you have a teammate which is awesome um but then yes once you get your hero uh status then you really really get to experience the full breadth of the of the uh the fighting so you get a new weapon you get uh two teammates um and and that's when the fun really happens because you can start doing combos you can start doing all, all sorts of fun mechanics come into play at that point in time and that's i really really liked the combat in this game it was just unfortunately not enough (laughs) for me at the time although like you could turn this into if you like the combat you could just run around the city and beat up dudes oh yeah your heart till your heart's content but then the game would turn from a 66 hour game into a 100 hour game so who who has that time i guess you know unfortunately not me because that would have been kind of fun just running around the city beating the hell out of people i mean once you get past like the point where you guys are at like the you kind of are allowed to spread out and do things kind of. And, and like you said, wander around and run into mobs of enemies. Sometimes when you get into parts of the city, you run into mobs that like are 
bad to run into at that point. Yep. Um, and they will like tear your face apart. Uh, and it becomes it gets it gets to the point where when you run into some of those mobs, you're going to have to have more people and then have more counters to that. Um, but I was 12 hours in, um, when I hit chapter five. And at that point, that's when I had the full party for the first time. Um, cause I was looking back at some of my older streams just to kind of get a gauge as to where that was in respect to where you guys kind of made it to. And so like, you guys are just to the cusp and like right after that is where, you go to the job placement center for the first time and you start to be able to change jobs. Um, and that's like, that's really where everything starts to kind of pick up because then it's like, you want to fight different fights because you want to level up this job and then you change jobs and, um, and, and the jobs themselves are freaking insane with how crazy some of them are. <laughs> well, I saw Adachi, uh, Adachi. I completely forgot how to pronounce his name, and then I just panicked and deer in the headlights. Oh my god, this show is going off the rails. I'm going to go hide under my desk. I saw you had Adachi <laughs> as a fortune teller, and yes. that was pretty cool. You also had Namba as a cook. Yes. Um. So yeah. Uh, so their main jobs when they start. So like Adachi was a former cop. Um. And so he's basically kind of like a cop in like riot gear. Is, is what his main job is. And then right, Namba's a jacket. Oh, okay. Then oh, you can, that's another there, job. Yeah, there's another job that you can get. Yeah. yeah. And then um and then Namba's is homeless man. Um and one of my favorite things of the homeless man one is in order to like regenerate HP, you just take a nap. You just lay right down on the ground and take a nap, rub your butt. This <laughs> is the funniest, dumbest animation ever. Um but um like what you were talking about the timing, like I think that reminded me a lot of Legends of Dragoon. I don't know if you ever played that, Tom. No, um, but I did play a little bit of Super Mario RPG, which had a similar element. Got it. Yeah. And so I think that was an interesting way to make the turn-based battles seem like you're a little bit more connected into the action to be able to time a button press to really do more damage <clears throat> or to um, have to time it to block effectively. Um, as you level up jobs, you get more abilities that not only do more damage, but can also do like area of effect damage to multiple enemies um, or attack enemies like in a row, depending upon what the what the what the battle is or, or what the skill is um, and can also put up status effects. So like a lot of JRPGs, like one of the most important things is putting the right status effects on the right enemies in order to like nullify their biggest attacks um, or just make it easier to take them down and finding out what their weaknesses are. And that's very much in this game. Um, and then as you purchase or find better weapons, um, you're then able to do more damage and then increase your ability to add certain status effects to enemies also. Um, and, and there are some crazy, awesome weapons that you can find in this game. They're in full Saints Row with the weapons, I feel uh -huh. like. Because the weapon shop is a sex shop. Yep. And so That's you the go, first one you find, yep. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait to see what the other ones are. Like, you can get a giant... Uh, Massager. They yes. call it a massager. Yes. <laughs> As a weapon to replace, I believe, Namba's uh, umbrella. It's, yep. It's wild. Yeah. No, there's <laughs> and there's just lots of crazy things. And and each job has a specific weapon type. And then, you know, there's like better weapons that you can get. You start off with like the crappiest weapon and then you can find other weapons. Um, as you unlock more characters, you get up to the max party size of four. It opens things up and makes the increasingly difficult battles more manageable. Uh, and then the way both the characters and enemies move around the environment as you're fighting in the battles 
I think creates an interesting timing to the battles as you'll want enemies bunched up at certain times or separated at other times. And then you don't necessarily want to do some attacks if like one of your partners is in front of you because you'll hit them a little bit too. Uh, and so it, it's, it's really kind of cool how you can't really control where the characters are moving, but it, 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 it adds a little bit of a rhythm and strategy to when you do certain attacks, you get a bunch of them bunched up. Um, when I'm a break dancer, all right, I'm going to go do my windmill attack and just hit the crap out of all of them as many times as possible and hopefully end the battle early. Um, and uh, also, enemies, if you hit them with uh, uh, an attack that they're weak to and you time your button press correctly, um, can get knocked down by those powerful hits, which means you want to quickly attack with another character in order to do increased damage against them because they're vulnerable. And so all of these things kind of are mixed together and cherry-picked from different RPGs um, and sort of morphed into what makes this, as much as they could possibly do, resemble the old Yakuza combat only in a turn-based RPG, which I think is just fascinating how well they pulled that off. It's amazing. Like, it is... You can still bash people with bicycles. That's my favorite part of Kiwami. Yep. It is amazing. Or, or whatever else might be laying around. Yeah, it's 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 pretty fun. And the enemies you're fighting too, <laughs> some of them are some of the most ridiculous characters that you could be fighting too. And it starts small. Like you start against like punklings and wannabe yakuza and hammerheads who are guys with like trash can lids as a shield, and then it just evolves and gets it gets really really wild. Yeah, there's some guys that are like all sweaty and in trash bags that you have to attack and like they do poison damage and stuff like that. Um, you'll find uh, a bunch of like kind of monk types of guys and they're around one guy that's going to be kind of like their cult leader, so to speak. It's just, it's, it's crazy. You'll find cooks, cooks, especially at certain points, cooks are really bad to run into. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my first wipes was against a group of cooks. Yep. And then there's also some like Chinese Kung Fu guys that can be really hard to take down. Um, especially early on if you run into them and, and uh, yeah, and the names are hilarious and you get the Suji decks, which you allow, allows you to compile all of these and collect like the names of all these miscreants that you take down. Uh, it's, it, all of this stuff kind of like develops as you get into the combat. Um, and, and I don't know, I think it, I think it makes the combat fun. Sometimes as you get later into the game, some of the random encounters get a little bit annoying, I say random encounters. You see the people so you can run away from them if you want to. But some of the battles, because it's like it's such a cakewalk, you're like, I don't want to waste resources. So it really just takes time to get through some of them um, when you get into later parts of the game. But uh, especially early on, like every fight feels a little tenuous and you're you're not sure if you're going to get out of it and how many resources you really need to pump into it. Um, But yeah, I, I think the battle system... The battle system is pretty um, well-defined, and a lot of it is also influenced by some of the other things outside of what you're doing in battle also, uh, which is very much reminiscent of Persona and, like, your social links. So, like, if you build up your bonds, um, that's what actually allows you to unlock um, different jobs for some of your other characters. Um, and, 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 and so that, that's, that's one of the things that really drives that also. 
That sounds amazing. Casey and I admittedly didn't get super far into this game. Combined, we were about 18 hours. Burns, you've put in more time than that into this game. What are some of the highlights from where we are to where you are in this game? Yeah, so I, yeah, I put in 38 hours, um, and I'm on Chapter 10. Now, the majority of those 38 hours happened like shortly after the game launched, and I've put like three hours into it since, um, like this week. <laughs> To just to kind of, and I watched like a lot of my old streams to kind of get it all fresh into my head as to how it all works. But, um, well, let's start with one staple of the Yakuza games <clears throat> is there's always mini game elements. I think yeah. you can like manage a baseball team and do all sorts of crazy side things in the other Yakuza games. Yeah. Is that carried over into this new direction for the franchise? Definitely. So, this has the uh, tried and true. Um, Yakuza side stories that you can bump into. And so you, as you're running around town, you'll bump into people and can interact with them. And they actually, I, I can't remember if in some of the other games they show them on the map. Um, but in this one, you can see it in the map as like little dialogue bubbles that you can interact with. Um, and Casey said, oh my God, I'm not talking to another human being. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting because like these side stories are actually much more at home in this as being a JRPG than they were in the original Yakuza. Like they were drastically different from what you're doing in the rest of the game. And like the story in the other games was usually so serious. And then you get into this, these wacky side stories. It actually fits in a lot better with like Ichi and what he's doing in this game. But um, basically as you're going through those side stories, you're making choices with those side stories and that is actually going to be boosting one of Ichiban's six like personal stats. So confidence, style, passion, charisma, kindness, and intellect. And the higher you get those, the more jobs that he can unlock at the job placement service. And then also the um, more interactions he can have with some of the NPCs and like girlfriends um, in the in the world. Um, so like there's some of them you'll get to a point and you have to have your confidence higher in order to talk to them more, or you have to have your, your, um, your, your style higher in order to do certain things. Um, and, and, and so that's one of the things that's interesting. The side stories also unlock any of the mini game content in there. And so, uh, the mini games are, are just like a huge breadth of different things. So you can take tests. You can take tests to improve your stats. Um, there's part-time hero, which is much more like the rest of the game where you go and you attack um, people f like to basically protect people that are looking for a bodyguard or so on and so forth. And then you get a good amount of yen and some materials from that. You unlock crafting through this which, you know, basically you go to this workshop and this gal makes you things, and those things are usually better than a lot of the stuff that you can buy in the shops. Um, one of the best mini games and craziest mini games I think I've ever experienced in a game is watching movies. So you can take one of your, one of your party members to the movies to build your bond with them. And the movies are, like, just ridiculous. But what you're doing is you're basically trying to fight off sleep, falling asleep in the movie. And it's a mini game where you have your directional pad and then the four face buttons. It's DDR, isn't it? No, it's you're watching the screen and these sheep are going to pop up and they start buying at you. And you have to hit the button that is linked to them in order to 
put them like to knock them down as fast as possible. Otherwise, they're gonna lull Itchy to sleep. You don't want to fall asleep because then you're not gonna build your bond with your partner. And then there's <laughs> there's there's alarm cocks, which are roosters that come up, and you don't want to press the button when they pop up because they help you stay awake. It is and it, like as crazy as it sounds, me explaining this. It is even crazier to experience it on the screen. Like I would highly recommend you look watch a video of it because it is so ridiculous and just like bonkers and it's awesome. Uh, and so that's the, and that's just like a little mini game. There's also then the big side stuff that you can do that are that are larger too. I just think it's funny the video game that I compared to watching a movie. And playing that actually has a game where you watch a movie within the movie. Yeah. I was glad I didn't get to that part because I might have exploded. Oh, that would have been great. That's unfortunate. Like vocally or? Uh, I think I would have just, I don't know, been hit a rift and been torn to pieces. He would have turned into a black hole. He would have just imploded on himself. Yes. <laughs> uh, you talked about the crafting. How deep is that? Is it just like a menu and like, here's some stuff, go nuts, or do yes. you have to like seek out specific things? You do have to seek out certain things. So as you collect things from either beating certain, beating certain, certain enemies, um, and I think, I could be wrong on this because it's been a little while since I messed around with that. I, I think the Suji Dex tells you what some things drop, so then you can try to seek out certain enemies in order to get those things to build those items. Um, and then uh, there's other things, so uh, like the bar, so to speak, or as you said, um, that's where you build your bonds with your with your party members. Um, you also can do karaoke there, um, which is just a side mini game. I don't think it feeds anything into. I think if you do karaoke with one of your party members, so. The party member sings, but you're playing like a tambourine or cheering them on or whatever it might be, and uh, you build your bond with them that way. Um, you can listen to music from the other games in there as well. So, like one of the games is one of the the karaoke get songs from Yakuza Zero that I remembered, like like insanely. It was like once I hit play, I was like, oh, that's that song. Um, and then you also unlock gardening and. You can plant seeds then, not only out in front of the bar, but you can also plant them in random places throughout the town. And then you collect them after real time, like five minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, depending upon what it is that you're building or you're growing. And then once you get those items, you take them to the bartender there and he can make you a bento box or all these other different things that will give you that will either you can use them in battle or you can use them outside of battle as, as restorative things. Um, and yeah, it's... There is so much stuff. And then there's like, there's a business management thing that's huge. And there's Dragon Kart, which is like Mario Kart. It's, there's so much random side things to get sucked into in this game. This is the most JRPG, JRPG that's ever been created. I think so. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of it. (laughs) You mentioned that the bartender will make you food. There's also, excuse me, restaurants in this game where you go and you order food. What is that mechanic like? Yeah. So you go to the restaurants and... You're, you know, you're with your party that you're traveling around town in. And so basically they'll have a series of things that are on the menu. So it'll be like a couple of drinks. Drinks will usually increase your SP and then it'll be food items, which will, which will like bolster your MP. Did you seriously, in the 10 hours you play this, never once walk into a restaurant and order any food off a menu? No, I did a couple of times. I just knew that. (laughs) I was going to say, what in the heck is the matter? No wonder you died. (laughs) 
I died like four times in nine hours. It's fine. I died once. Yeah. Because I ran into the stupid people with knives on their hands and they <laughs> destroyed me. <laughs> and then the, the real kick in the nuts was I rezzed and they were right there again. So like I instantly fought them again. It's like, sweet, I just had 12,000 yen. Sweet, now I got 6,000. Great, now I have 3,000. Because like, I'm like, well, this sucks. Like, I can't even run. Like, they're right on top of me. How do I get out of this? <laughs> But so like you go to these restaurants, you and then they're each of the restaurants has like a secret combo that if you unlock what that combo is of whatever ordering certain things together, it's going to give you a boost. So it'll either like bolster your attack for like the next 15, 20 minutes, or it's going to bolster your defense or any sort of other amount of things. Um, Plus, if you eat with your party members, you build a bond with them. Um, And, you know, this sounds like the way I'm explaining it, I'm explaining it from like the mechanics first, but it's like also super endearing because it's like you order the food and then it's uh, it's Ichi's face right there on the screen. He's like, who's hungry? And then everybody else in unison says me. And then then they eat and and somebody usually comments about, oh, that was great. Burns, you are just beaming talking about the restaurants. (laughs) It's just it's it's. It's not just, like, the systems that are all built together, but, like, what they wrap everything that you're doing around just has a personality to it that just endears you to what you're doing in the game. And it's upbeat and goofy and energetic. I love the tone of this game. I love the tone of this game. It's just wacky and fun. Well, and especially, like, it coming out the end of 2020, like, we know what, like, everything was like that entire year leading up to that point. And so having a main character that's not Cloud Strife or or any of these other just dour people that, like, you know, do I really want to hang out with this person for 60, 80, 100 hours? No. And just to have Ichiban Kasuga there, just, like, all of the stuff that he does is just filled with energy and happiness. It's it's so cool. Imagine if we could have Ichi as the third person on this show. Just, like, <laughs> kick Casey and everyone else out to the curb. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> I wouldn't want to kick Casey to the curb. I, we, we would have him as a fourth person. That's what we would do. He'd right. fill out the party. Yeah, I, I know I've played way person. more video games than Ichi. No, that's he fair. was in jail for 18 years. Yeah, that's, not my fault. That's cold, not my dude. fault. That's cold. <laughs> well, how does this whole package come together? Casey, are you ready to join the turn-based RPG for Life Club? I, I don't t-shirts, know. We have t-shirts, dude. <laughs> T-shirt, I'm in. No. Um, yeah, I appreciate everything it takes to make a game like this. This game has layers on top of layers on top of layers. Mm-hmm. It's really, really very impressive. Uh, I just don't think RPGs are really my jam. I just I need something with a little more constant action, a little more button mashing to keep me interested and invested the whole time. Something like, tell me why. <laughs> well, I knew I had a place for that so funny It's so different. Nailed it. It's different. So I don't know why, but I it would, is. I would, seri- I would really be curious, like, if you played, um, like, Mass Effect... Um, or one of like the bio or, or Knights of the Old Republic, one of the Bioware RPGs, like whether that would still have too much story. That's a little bit more like action oriented combat or like Skyrim or FF 15 or FF 15 has a lot more action, um, though it doesn't necessarily have an intelligible narrative at times. But uh, that so that might be a little bit of a deterrent. But I would be seriously curious what you would think of some of those other um, like RPGs uh, and and how those would maybe fit with how you play games or Fallout or anything like that. Well, we'll have to put some more in Game Pass and force me to play them and see what happens. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> let's uh, dig way back and play the original Fallout together. That would be 
awful. <laughs> <laughs> I love this whole package. There are 10,000 different systems in this game, and it all flows together and works together seamlessly into this wild, wonky, fun experience. And the best part about it all, the very best thing about this game, it works. <laughs> it works! <laughs> it's been out for... Like a year less than Marvel Avengers, and it works. Well, even when it came out, like I don't remember encountering a ton of like weird bugs or anything like that. Like the biggest thing was on PS4, the load times are a bit long. Um, but other than that, I, I I just they did a really good job of putting all of the pieces together uh, and then technically making sure that it all works. I suppose that's probably the difference between a single player and a multiplayer experience. Because, mm-hmm. like, if Casey could jump into my game as a Dachi and you could be Namba, like, I'm sure many, many things would break just, and just, yeah. Yeah. just crumble. Yeah, just crumble. <laughs> but it's awesome when you can just play a game and it works and you mm-hmm. don't have game breaking bugs where they tell you to delete your save file. Yeah, it'll be fine. Just delete your save. Yeah. You have time to. You replay. guys can go back through the first nine hours of this oh game. Oh, my right? God. <laughs> I. Love and adore this game, and I very desperately want to play more of it. I am never, never restarting it. Yeah, not for like anything. You can skip the dialogue. You can skip the scenes. So it's like if you've already seen it, you can get through a lot. Of it I, I cool. didn't yeah. because I actually wanted to see what the heck was going on. But you can skip the dialogue. Yeah, if like Brian <laughs> played this game at nine hours, he'd be like on chapter fourteen because he just skipped <laughs> just skip all the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I fought some dudes with knives on their hands. It was cool. <laughs> Final thoughts and takeaways on Yakuza Like a Dragon, Casey. Yeah, although not for me, I do think this was a really, really well-done game. Uh, the dialogue portions of the game were just too long for me. The combat system was really fun. Story is super interesting, and I would would really like to know where uh, Ichiban's story goes. Um, I just don't think I have another 50-plus hours to put into this game and find out. So I guess I'll just have to watch Joey play it and see what happens. I was going to say, yeah, all the VODs are on <laughs> twitch.tv slash hobbyboxburns if you want to watch through them. <laughs> Though, I don't know I don't know if I'm going to play the rest of it on stream. I might play it off stream. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Why? do your Does your audience hate it or what? It's not that the audience hates it. It's, I, I just, I don't know. Do so you the, prefer playing things on stream where you have to read all the dialogue? Because you are just dynamite attitude. It is so fun to watch you playing those crappy old games where you're enacting all the characters. I, I appreciate that. I mean, there's times where I get to read like as the characters, and I have fun like trying to mimic the voices that they have. Um, so it's not that. It's just games that are open world like this, I always just... I just never think that it's interesting to watch. And, and I, I could be wrong, but it's just... The way that I go through some of these games and how like I'll keep backtracking to look for stuff or just wander around or get distracted. Like last when I played it a couple nights ago, it's just like, okay, I'm going to go to this side story now. I'm going to go unlock this side story. It's just like, I just don't know if that's interesting if everybody just wants me to go talk to the guy and see what happens next. Right. And so that's that's where I get a little bit trapped. Um, and, And so going a little bit deeper into it. It's it's interesting because when I played this when it was at launch, I was just like, okay, this is like the first time I'm going to play a game like that's new and see what happens. And like I streamed the majority of that game to zero viewers because the people that I knew that were interested in the game didn't want to watch because they didn't want to get spoiled because they wanted to play the game. And then like other people that were interested in watching the game were watching much larger streamers than I was because everybody else was streaming it at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of like doing a gaming podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a lot like that. And so then so then it's like that combined with that combined with then the idea of I just don't know if it's as interesting to other people as it is to me. It just makes me double. It just makes me think about it. Where and it's like, you know, it takes a little bit more effort to like stream something, right? So like, it's like, okay, if I'm going to stream something, then I'm going to play it on this day because that's when I have three hours set aside to be able to stream. But if I wanted to actually finish the game, which I kind of want to, it's like I could play an hour here, I could play an hour there, and I can get through it. Or I can hold it to play on stream. And then I've already started a couple other things on stream. So that's where it's like, that's where we kind of get caught in that weird sort of in-between where it's like, do I play it? Do I not? How it goes. But the first part, the first 13 parts are on twitch.tv slash hobbyboxburns. <laughs> Maybe more will be at some point. We'll see what happens. <laughs> what does your immediate gaming priorities look like right now? Like what's at the top of your playlist? Um, so I did end up on the Amazon sale buying Sekiro. Um, so I might play that along with some of the other guys that are playing that in August. Um, I've also, so like I have had Stranger of Paradise for a long time. I actually installed that and played like the very beginning of that tonight. Um, and I would really like to play that. I also really want to get back to... The games that I've made it partway through for all these podcasts that we've done recently that I really want to finish. So I really want to finish Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, it's so good. I'm getting close to the end of that. And I'm yeah. very fortunate, or I feel very fortunate, we don't have a video game that we're playing for the main show this month. Yeah. And I think the game that we're playing for Game Pass is going to be pretty short. So I think, yeah. I think I'm going to be able to knock out the rest of Fallen Order. Yeah, this and month. so it's that. And it's like, I want to finish The Witcher 3. So it's, and, and then... I, so I'm a little bit behind on podcasts. So a lot of people have been talking about Elden Elden Ring. And so it's like, I really want to just see what that's about since I've been hearing everybody talking about it. Well, we're doing a show on it. So that's a great time to dive in. That's Are we? For mm-hmm. sure. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Elden good. Ring's locked in for next year. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> well, talk, there you go. <laughs> talking about your playlist and coming back to Yakuza Like a Dragon. I wish I had infinite time for games. There are so many amazing things to play right now. And this is a wild, wacky ride that I just love. I love Mm. this game. I wish I I had more time for it. But I don't. So next month for Game Pass Forever, we are going to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge features modernized gameplay rooted in timeless classic brawling mechanics brought to you by beat-em-up experts at Dotimo who did Streets of Rage 4. Clearly the genre-leading experts, Streets of Rage 4. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And dot, dot emu. Dot emu. Yeah. <laughs> I have the worst hot No, no, it's, it's, it's a nonsense word, so you can't know yeah. how to pronounce it. I've just heard lots of people pronounce it on podcasts. Dot emu. And developer Tribute Games with um in partnership with nickelodeon bash your way through gorgeous pixel art environments and slay tons of hellacious enemies with your favorite turtle each with his own skills and moves making each run unique choose a fighter use radical combos to defeat your opponents and experience intense combats loaded with breakthrough breathtaking action and outrageous ninja abilities stay sharp as you face off against shredder and his faithful foot clan or grab your best buds and play with up to four players simultaneously that was a little rough Usually I get through the uh, cold read of the description a little bit. You made so it. was a long yeah. description. It was yeah. a long description. Yeah, that was off the website, not off like a Steam description, which I usually use. Got it. Got yeah, it. I'm so excited. So who's everybody's, who's everybody's favorite turtle? Donatello. Donatello. Uh, I guess Michelangelo. 
Okay. Raphael. Raphael, right. hands down. Why do you like Raphael so much? So I, he's always been to me like the most complicated one. Definitely, yeah. And so, so that I think that is what always intrigued me to him. Like Michelangelo is just the joke, right? I mean, he he he's the Fitting joker for Casey, yeah. <laughs> but but no, he he's the joker, and it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's fine. But he's like the least interesting of the four to me. Um, I always like Donatello because the bow staff is cool, and bow staffs are cool. And he fights with a stick, yo. And he's like the smart one, right? So he's like the brains behind the group. And then I always I always like Leonardo too because he's like the leader. But I, I, I think from like reading a little bit of some of the comics, but then also watching a lot of the cartoons, like Raphael always ended up in some of the most interesting situations and as a character was the most complex. So I think that's why I was always drawn to him. And then Splinter. Splinter's awesome. I think I've been drawn to Dontello because I always like the guy behind the guy. I like like the <laughs> ringleader who isn't necessarily the uh, face of the operation. It, no ties to my own personality. I was going to say, that, and that's why you run a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, your favorite turtle? Uh, Michelangelo. Oh, yeah, we already talked about yep. that. Yeah. <laughs> For no really big reason. Although, like, my favorite character in all of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is Casey Jones, obviously, because he's got the oh, greatest yeah. name ever, and he's also a hockey player. So I just kind of, in yeah. my youth, was super drawn to that. You like dudes with sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Be- beating people up with hockey sticks. Yeah, this is going to be a good time. I'm really excited. I'm glad that this game won. So we know that you like Casey Jones, but who's your favorite turtle? Uh... <laughs> Leonardo. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's a good choice. This is going to be an awesome experience for your first video game, dude. If you enjoy this content, please back our silly little show on Patreon. This standalone segment, Game Pass Forever, is tied to a specific tier of support. You can back us for as little as $2 a month, but at $10, you get an extra podcast from Tom and Joey. You guys both pay for it. Like, Woo! I'm proud of those dollars, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Check it out at patreon.com/oio. Thank you so much for listening and stay inside, kids.